0: So I'm here with Reverend Dr. Jackie Gatliff. She is the Senior Associate Pastor with Responsibilities in Care Ministries, as well as other ministries of the church that deliver care. She's been here for three and a half years. So Jackie, how are you today?
1: I am well. It was a good weekend. We had a great weekend here at Christ Church.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, to ease into our conversation, I figure we'll do some icebreakers to have a little fun to get going. I feel like that's the Christ Church way now to do icebreakers. So first question... We're going to eliminate all situations, circumstances, and family ties. You can live anywhere in the world. Where are you picking?
1: Ooh, wow.
0: Yeah. The opportunities are endless.
1: You know, it's got to be near mountains. Mm. You know, I'll do the beach thing, but there's just something about mountains. You know, just I like the the solitude, the activity around living near mountains. It It just focuses you somehow.
0: So question number two, who do you think, is the wisest person you've ever known. Wow. Going deep real fast.
1: We are going deep real fast. I can't do two, can I?
0: Give me two, give me three. You
1: know, old Mike Atleth.
0: Oh, I was wondering.
1: He is a deep well of wisdom, and just in a very winsome way. So yeah, Mike is just... But there's a woman in my life, Linda McCarty, who is like a spiritual mom to me. She's well into her 80s. She lives in Black Mountain, North Carolina. She's actually a Memphian, but um, she and her husband, Ben, retired to Black Mountain. And Linda's who I call. You know, like I, I will call her and say, you know, Linda, I'm not thinking right about something. Mm-hmm. Well, Jackie, just tell me. And then I'll, say, I'll tell her about, the, you know, and she'll say, yeah, you're not thinking about that. <laughs> you know? And so it's sweet. Just She reprimands me, but invites me to see things. From God's perspective. So she's very wise. Very How long wise. have you known her? You know, since about 07. Okay. Yeah, it's a good relationship. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Okay, so next question. When it comes to your snacks, sweet, salty, or sour? Uh, salty. Salty all the way? All the way. What kind of, like, chips or pretzels? It you, you, you would you? be
1: like, you know, uh, chips and guacamole.
0: Mm, can't go wrong with that. Nope. What's up, Babalu? Are you pro or con?
1: Eh.
0: Uh, okay. Well, do you have a favorite chips and guac in Memphis?
1: Oh, yeah, the guac. And, you know, take that back. Yeah, the, it is that uh-huh. good guac and bubble. Yeah. I
0: forgot
1: <laughs> about that. But I like the chips at Los Delicias.
0: Yes, I'm pro. So, so that's kind of where I was going. Yes, but those yeah. are great. Okay, so next question. Uh, we'll get into this a little bit more later on into the conversation, but you deal with a lot of emotional heaviness in your role. Do you have a comfort show or anything that you watch at night to decompress? <laughs>
1: Mike and I are in a a season where every night we we kind of end the night watching just one episode of Frasier because we just laugh out loud. Yeah, our intention is that we want to end the day laughing. Mm. So whether it's a show or or something else, you know, it's just that's the intention. We're going to end the day laughing.
0: Kind of on the same cliche of don't go to bed angry. Yeah, yeah. Go to bed laughing. Go to bed laughing. That's a that's a more positive spin on it. I like that. Okay, so last one, and this kind of eases us into our conversation. What is your earliest childhood memory? Do you have one?
1: Ooh. Earliest childhood memory. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that, that's really a hard one. I mean, I can kind of, like, images in my head, you know. It's,
0: what's just a snapshot? Like, what's snapshot. a snapshot? Snapshot, okay.
1: I, I remember, I don't know why this one popped in. I grew up in Richmond, a Vacation at Virginia Beach every year. And we would do it with another family. They weren't our family. They were friends that were like family. They had two daughters, um, my sisters my age. And and my dad would get up very early. And while the other parents were sleeping, he would take these four little girls out, and he would call it Dawn Patrol. That's cute. And we would just go these different places around Virginia Beach, like at 6 a.m., whether it was on the beach or walking the boardwalk. But I think my, my, my poor dad wanted sons, but he got daughters. And so I remember one time he took these four little girls, we were little, over to the naval base to watch the jets take off. Cool. And we just thought it was so cool. But we were with dad. It was like, as the sun's coming up, we're watching the jets take off.
0: That's a really great memory. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So well, that kind of eases us into our conversation. So where did you grow up? What was your upbringing?
1: Okay. Well, something that's kind of fun, fun to tell people is that um, I was born in Memphis, my parents were from Richmond, Virginia. My dad was here doing a three year um, stint with a company. So I was born here. And what's really kind of fun is that they were attending this new church plant called Christ Methodist Church. Oh,
0: I've heard of that one. When
1: I was born. And I even have the church bulletin announcing my birth. Wow. Yeah, it's really pretty cool. That is cool. It's kind of strange. But yeah, but that's so. But then they returned to Richmond, as many people do when, that, when they have a child. And so I grew up in Richmond, which was a great place to grow up really good place to grow up.
0: What was so great about growing up there? You
1: know, I think it, you know, it's bigger than Memphis, but it really was still kind of that big small town thing. Or you had your part of town that was just very secure just with relationships, you know, the neighborhood playing with the kids of the neighborhood. You know, you just knew which school you were going to and just you kind of went to that school, that school, that high school and it was just a good place.
0: Well, so tell me about your your family. You have siblings, or tell me what your parents did. I do. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, my dad was in insurance, and so back in the day, my dad was like, um, when we were born, I have a younger sister, three years younger. Um, when we were born, my dad said, "Well, no wife of mine is going to work." You know, he wa- <laughs> he wanted that. He yep. had that desire to have that kind of family, and part of it was because he didn't grow up with that, and, and that's kind of a part of the story too. But so my mom was just a dynamo where she was a great mom. She was always there, but she volunteered everywhere. So I remember at night she would be out at just different women's clubs, but they were clubs that had purpose, you know. So, so mom was just always engaged in the community and that kind of thing. But, but she was a stay-at-home mom. So that really was my image of my dad at night, you know, giving us dinner and, and um, putting us to bed while mom is out kind of doing these pretty important things in the community and engaging other women in it.
0: How much of an inspiration was that to see your mother doing that at oh, a young age? Uh,
1: yeah, and here's th- I named that my mother. So Jackie Everett, I mean, she was amazing. When she did, when she did return to the workforce and my younger sister went to college, so more than 20 years of not being in the workforce, what she did, she ended up um, being the director of volunteers at one of the largest hospitals in Richmond. And she just took where she had 20 volunteers, you know, for the hospital. You know, when she retired, maybe 15 years later, you know, it was like – 350 volunteers and it was a significant program for people to be a part of
0: it seems like there was a lot of intentionality with your parents and how they they raised you and the things they kind of went about
1: you know i would say yeah with my mom and i and you know this is where we kind of get into stuff just about the family that i grew up in just thinking about that and my dad had significant mental health issues very which really were very difficult for our family so we were functioning. On the outside, we were functioning well, but it was just, it was the day and age where, um, and we're breaking through this a little bit now, but just the mental health stigma in a Southern family was just very hard. So we were very isolated in terms of that. No, but dad was very engaged, you know, just in the community as well. But we still, we were dealing with that just all the time, the unexpectedness of it.
0: Well, we're going to come back to that. I want to keep kind of going linear with your story. So Tell me about high school. Tell me about growing up in Richmond, going to high school. How was oh, that for you?
1: Yeah, I went to Douglas Freeman High School. You know, big old public high school. It was, a you know, it was good. Good experience.
0: Did you kind of know what you wanted to do in high school, or did that come to you later?
1: Oh, that kind of came, well, not too long later. Um, I, be- I was a Young Life kid in high school, and so I, I grew up in the Methodist church. And then um, I remember one, I had heard about this Young Life thing at my high school, Um, Some friends kept asking me to go, but there was one night where Young Life was meeting at the house next door. And so there was really no good excuse not to go. And I remember I walked into that Young Life Club and, oh my goodness, it was just, they just reeled me in. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is fun. I've never heard Jesus talked about this way. And yeah. So then, I really became young. Life was really my engagement. I also was a tennis player, so played um, high school tennis team. Was the state champion in doubles tennis Thank with you. Celeste Joyner. Yeah, but it was it was that and church and young life. were kind of you know my um, good good group of friends.
0: So did you grow up in the church, or was Young Life kind I did. of your moment? No,
1: I did grow up in the church. And so, you know, it's always a curious thing when people say that they grew up in the church and then they go to Young Life or, you know, or something, you know, some kind of experience like that. And I just heard about Jesus in a different way. And so... I went on a Young Life weekend very soon after that first experience with Young Life and really say that that's where God's grace just swooped in. Just, I think that, you know, as we say, the provenient grace was there, that God had been moving in my life through all those different things. And then in that moment, I just saw that Jesus wanted me and just kind of brought me in.
0: That's awesome. Well, so did, did, you go, did you know you wanted to go into ministry then, or was it kind of an evo- evolution over time? Well, or? you know,
1: I, I, okay, this is, this is fun. I remember um, when I was about 13 or 14, I went on the Methodist Youth Fellowship High School, you know, the retreat, and I came home, and I told my parents that, and I can't remember all the details, but I remember telling them that I think God wanted me to, to be a, a pastor. I was about 13 or 14, and their immediate reaction was, oh... Well, well, don't well, no, women don't do that. I'm so sorry, you can't do that. So, yeah, so that so then I started figuring out other ways that I could do ministry that wouldn't necessarily be a church pastor.
0: So, how much of it was wanting to pave your own path as a, as a woman in ministry that kind of fueled you in what you did next?
1: Oh, uh, oh, Lance, you're giving me too much credit there to, to, <laughs> of thinking that way. You know, I think I just. I just knew I wanted to be involved in ministry. And so um, I went to University of Virginia for college, and two things happened there that were really very formational for me. I was part of the Young Life team there. had a great group of, um, of Young Life um, volunteers and area director. I helped launch Young Life at Charlottesville High School. I was on that team. But then also at the same time, um, I was part of a church plant that became Trinity Presbyterian Church which is a very very thriving church. So I had these two things so I had the world of young life but I was very much I was a founding member of that church and so that was just kind of the path. I envisioned and even then I mean think this was a long time ago just thinking about a woman going to seminary there just weren't many people many women that I knew who did that. But that was kind of there but I wasn't really sure how to go how to get there what that was going to look like. But so, yeah, but I had all these opportunities for leadership and speaking and leading Bible studies and um, just really understanding incarnational ministry. So there were there were a number of years of just trying to figure out what to do because I, just, I really didn't have a model for that, for, for women going to seminary. And so finally, I, I just kind of reached a point where, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go to seminary if I have to, you know, whatever to get myself there and and so I chose Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary on the north shore of Boston. So I happened to be living out in Colorado at the time and packed up my little Honda Civic and drove cross country and showed up there at the campus. And, and there were there were some people I wanted to study with. So I went there just to study with some particularly theology um, professors there. And so um, just got myself there. But even then I was just like, you know, it was the perception that women just go to seminary to find a husband. And I was just determined, well, no, I'm here. I'm serious. I'm a serious student. I am here to study and then just get out to be equipped for ministry. And then I'm just going to get out. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this study and then go into ministry.
0: How was your time in seminary as a a woman? Was it challenging? Did you have a lot of pushback on what you were trying to do?
1: You know, there wasn't pushback maybe as much as I thought. Part of this, it was that, you know that thing where I said that I was just going to go to seminary and study? Uh Uh-huh. The first day I walked in to the campus of the seminary, I met Mike Gatliff in the cafeteria line.
0: I think he's somebody important in your story.
1: Somebody important in my story.
0: Well, let's let's hear the story of how you, let's hear the full story of how you and Mike met. Let's hear how y'all fell in love and came together.
1: (laughs) This will be fun. So we met each other. I'd run into a mutual friend from Young Life I hadn't seen in a number of years and this friend said well well hey i'm having lunch with meeting a friend for lunch and so so i joined him and so met mike and we both will well, truthfully say neither of us were impressed <laughs> he's shorter than i am so i wasn't going to be interested in that and then he just thought that i was just kind of um that I was spacey. That'd be, well, first of all, i sh- shown up just to register for classes, didn't have a place to live. So I kind of had that on my mind. And so, But I really wasn't interested in him at all. But I f- found a place to live. The semester started. And then I started doing um, part of what I was doing just for m- more of my own equipping. I was doing Young Life Leadership training with freshmen at Gordon College. And I needed a speaker for one night. And I had run out of the people and I asked my roommate who went to the seminary and said, I, I need the speaker. And she says, well, you need to ask Mike Gatliff. Mm. I was like, oh, <laughs> Mike Gatliff, why? And she says, he's the best kept secret around here. Wow. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And so I had my, I asked Mike to come and speak. And he had already graduated from the seminary, was still hanging around doing a wilderness ministry um, up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And so Mike came and spoke And I got to tell you, I can almost remember that talk word for word. Wow. Yeah, it was a fabulous talk. He he titled it A Year of Living Dangerously, just throwing it down with these freshmen in college, just challenging them to live, you know, just seeking Jesus and just living for the kingdom while they were doing their studies. And um, to thank him, I took him out for a burger and a beer. And just to thank him, that was on November 2nd. And um, we closed the restaurant down. I, I thought it was about 830 that waitress came over and said we need to close out your tab and and it turned out it was 11 30 but we had talked all night and then after that we were just in high gear he you know we were just talking all the time connecting after classes and after his work and long story even shorter lance is that um, on november 29th we got engaged so four weeks wow. later we were engaged
0: that's incredible yeah you just knew
1: we just knew. It was that tacky thing that people say that when you know, you know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, right. Well, no, we did. But it really was more than that, that we sat up that night. We just sat up very late and just, is God calling us to marriage? But it was very clear to both of us that he was calling us to marriage, but it was going to be ministry through our marriage. And so that's just kind of where we went.
0: Okay, so you said you and Mike have marriage and ministry. Expand on that some.
1: Hmm, okay. Um, i have to tell a story to be able to communicate that. Um, believe it or not, You're going to laugh at this one. Um, Three weeks after we were married, I was with Mike leading backpacking trips. And I mean backpacks, Lance. Backpacking trips in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. We were taking out youth groups and social service agencies, foster kids, um, for about five-day trips through the mountains. And so there was one group that we took out, and it was a guy from northern Connecticut. It was his last hurrah with his youth group because he he and his wife were taking their five kids – to the French Ivory Coast to be missionaries for the rest of their lives. And so we were just like curious about this, like, you know, what? What, You're doing what? And so we were sitting around the campfire that night, and we were asking all these questions, and he was very polite. You know, it's the questions like, oh, what about healthcare? What about your kids' education? What about your parents getting older? You know, and he just kind of answered them. And finally he just said, you know, he says, I have to tell you. He says, my wife and I had all those same questions, and then we met – the missionary that we were replacing. And it was a gentleman well into his eighties. He had done the same thing, had been on the, on the French Ivory Coast for you know, about 50, 60 years with his family. So he'd done what they were doing. And he said they were asking him the same questions. And he finally, this old saint said, he said, let me tell you something. He says, what I have learned in all these years, that there's only two ways to go through life, either bored or scared. Oof. And he said, and I'd rather be scared any day of the week, wow. because that means that Jesus is right in there with me. Wow. And you know, Mike and I, that, that just dropped for us. I mean, that got in our soul. Yeah. And that has just guided us time and time again, where we're going, okay, where are we? What's God doing with us? Are we bored or are we scared? You know, sometimes it's okay to be bored. But sometimes, man, you just want to push it and just say, Jesus, where are you going? Because that's where exactly where we want to be. Wow. So, Lance, just ask yourself that. Wow. Bored or scared?
0: Uh, I'm scared that I'm not scared enough right now. You,
1: well, you've got a baby coming. I do have a You're baby gonna coming. You're going to be very
0: scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. You're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll, know, you'll know this soon.
0: Yeah, I well, speaking of kids, tell me about your kids.
1: Children. Yes, children. We have two adult children who are thriving. Um, our son, Court is married to Abby McAtee that um that he met in the youth group when we here in Memphis. And then um they are both ordained pastors in the PCSA. They live in Birmingham and they're serving a church together there as associate pastors. And they've got two two of our grandgirls are there. Eleanor's three, Ruthie's one. And then daughter Macaulay and her husband Tyler live in Maryville, um outside Knoxville, and they are both doing really well in their careers and um, they have two little girls. Madison and Reagan, who are seven and eight.
0: This is putting you on the spot. Which do you enjoy more, being a mom or a grandmom?
1: Oh, the grandmom <laughs> thing is unbelievable. I mean, it's like, you know, you just kind of look at people who are about to become grandparents, and you're just like, you know, you just can't explain it. I mean, it's just so much joy just being a part of that and just showing up. and.
0: Well, you let's get back to your ministry a little bit. So you kind of talking about your father earlier, was that a big deciding factor for you Kind of pursuing mental health in what you do in your specialty, or is that even your specialty?
1: Well, you know, it's not really my specialty. It's part of what we do here at Christ Church with Care Ministries. But, but you know, I, you know, I think I, I, it certainly has shaped how I think about it. How the church can be addressing, you know, certainly those. Are, you know, Christ Church just we do more with mental health than most churches I've ever even heard of. So yeah, that's that's certainly a part of it. And knowing that. Our church growing up, just, I mean, we were isolated. We were in complete isolation with it.
0: What would you say is your specialty in what
1: you do in your ministry? What I love about my job is that it's very diverse in what I get to do. Hmm. You know, I just get to be creative. I get to see opportunities um, to create different avenues for ministry. We we have been working on trying to focus on, um, you know, how we communicate what we do. And with care ministries, what, you know, through all the other ministries as well, been um what we've landed on is that we say through our ministry that hope is found, hearts are healed, and lives are transformed. And so through that we're thinking about just in terms of our grief work that we do, the one-on-one counseling that we do. Yeah, you know, just other ministries that we're doing are just not just me but my team, which I just love working with my, with my team. Everybody is just sold out for Jesus and just wanting people to experience that. You know The wholeness of what it means to be transformed by Jesus.
0: Well, as we kind of start to wrap up, my my kind of last question for you is, what about your role at Christ Church excites you the most right now?
1: You know, my role really is, uh, the thing that excites me, is I really like seeing other people thrive in ministry. Mm. I really kind of like paving the way. You know, we have such an incredible staff right now. And what I love are just the young people who are on staff. And I love seeing them just grow into their role, you know, just not only professionally, but personally. And I love working with um, the young women ministry leaders that we have, and that's even extending somewhat into the city. And and I love that. I mean, you know, just looking at we have to be doing that. You know, who are coming up behind us that that, um, Jesus is going to be entrusting um, this church, our ministry to, and just you know, listening to them, being a part, helping them become who Jesus has created them to be in their time.
0: Well, that's a really exciting thing to have on your plate, to be building that legacy for generations to come. That's incredibly exciting. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for telling your story to us.
1: Always good being with you, Lance. Thanks. Thanks.